When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey fam, before this new episode of Last Drinks, why not jump online and order yourself some sparkling tea from budsandbeads.com.au. Buds and Beads Sparkling Tea, where every bubble tells a story. And don't forget to use the code LASTDRINKS20. This will give you 20% off your order. You're welcome. It's time for another episode of Last Drinks, a podcast where we have conversations for the sober and the sober curious, hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. I hope everybody has their Christmas trees up um, because otherwise I'm going to be very disappointed in you because it's nearly the middle of December and we should all be spreading the Christmas cheer, okay? (laughs) I love Christmas. Um, In November every year, so for the last couple of years, I've got a little family tradition that I'm forcing my family to do every year. There's nothing like a forced family tradition. Um, Well, there's two actually. One of them is we go and get a Santa photo in our matching Christmas pyjamas as a family. Um, Last year was the first year that that included our pet dog dressed in an elf costume. And I remember, so we went and did like a shopping Santa Santa photo. So we had to take, we had to go through the loading dock to get the dog into the shopping centre. And I just remember looking at Glenn, my husband, in his like Santa pyjamas in the middle of the shopping centre with holding onto the dog in an elf costume while I wrangled our at the time three-year-old son Henry out of his pram in his Christmas pyjamas while I was wearing Christmas pyjamas and he just looked at me and just gave me one of those like husband death stares like one of those looks that your husband gives you of like I love you so much which is why I can't hate you but because I love you and I can't hate you, it kind of hates me. It kind of makes me hate you even more. It was just one of those looks that I just said to him, I was like, you know what, babe, in 10 or 20 years' time when Henry's grown up and it's just the two of us at home, we will look at these photos and you will thank me that we have wonderful family Christmas memories. And he looked at me like, uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. Um, We're doing that again this year, fam, so stand by for the social post. Um, But also the other tradition we have is we go and we get a real Christmas tree from a Christmas tree farm. And so we jump into the car in November when the Christmas tree farm opens for tagging. And you you get there and they give you this sort of like plasticky chain with a tag number on it. Write down your tag number. Don't forget your tag number. And then you walk through the Christmas tree farm, which is huge. It's like acres and acres and acres of land with thousands of Christmas trees. And then you go and find the tree that you want. And if there's already a tag on the tree, it means that's already been um, bagged by another family. So you can't double tag trees. 
but you go and you find your tree, you put your tag around sort of the stump of the tree, cable tie it, and then you go back to the farm anytime in December and they chop it down with a chainsaw, which is so kind of cool and exciting. And then you chuck it on the back of the ute and you drive it home and you have a live Christmas tree every year. And the whole The thing that I love about it is tradition. The thing that I love about it is it's this like family thing that we look forward to every year. And, you know, as the mum of a four and a half year old, like we're sort of starting to like get into these traditions and um, we do, you know, like every couple of Friday nights we have pizza and board game night and it's like a thing. And I just love, I love creating these little traditions for my family and, you know, I think for a lot of people this time of year, one of the traditions is getting loaded and getting wasted and drinking a lot because it's the silly season and there's Christmas parties and there's end of year events and there's functions and it's warm and sunny and, you know, like there's so many reasons to celebrate. And because of our culture and our society, celebration is so entwined with drinking And so for a lot of people, I think that there's actually a bit of anxiety around those inbuilt celebratory traditions that we have as a culture, as a business, um, as corporations, as individuals, and as families, that everything we do around Christmas and celebration is alcohol-related and, you know, it's not called the silly season by accident, right? And so one of the things I think I really enjoy about creating these traditions for my family is none of them involve booze. And we celebrate Christmas hard. Like I'm a hardcore Christmas celebrator. I love it so much. We have inflatables out the front of the house. Um, We haven't gone like full-blown bonkers on the Christmas lights on the house, but I feel like we will get there over time. I feel like by the time I retire, I'll be that person in the street that has the house that everybody comes and stands out the front of and is like, wow. Like, obviously you have a lot of free time on your hands in November to set all of this up for December for everybody to enjoy. But I just, I love how much joy Christmas can bring. But I also know for a lot of people, it can bring a lot of anxiety, a lot of painful memories you know, a lot of um, family stuff comes up because we do see our families and we don't always get along with our family. So I get that it's a tricky season for people. And I guess my encouragement is even though it is the season to be jolly, it is also the season to be sober. And I think as much as it's like the thought pattern could be, but it's Christmas, there's no way I could continue my booze break. There's no way I can get through Christmas with my family without having a whiskey at 11am, for example, I encourage you to give it a go. I've had, what, eight, nine sober Christmases and then I just feel like they're the absolute best and you don't need to drink to enjoy the festivities. You don't need to have alcohol to connect with people and you actually don't need to have alcohol to avoid confrontation and conflict you can actually maybe have a conversation with somebody in your family that you struggle with and try and find some common ground try and find something that you have um together that you can share try and find a thing um and maybe I don't know maybe approach this Christmas a little differently that's my encouragement to you no 
pressure at all. Um, that's probably a good time to just mention, you may have heard that this podcast is now very proudly sponsored by Buds and Beads Sparkling Tea. And I've partnered with Buds and Beads because I genuinely love their products. It's um, sparkling teas being something that I've been dabbling in. As you guys all know, I've been pretty vocal about this. I don't really ever dip into non-alcoholic drinks. I've spoken to people that have created them and I think that they serve a great purpose. I think it's a a huge um, part of the drinks market that has a lot of options now, which is wonderful for people who don't want booze. Um, This is a completely different thing. This is tea, which I'm a huge fan of, and it's sparkling and it's refreshing and it's just a great option. So my encouragement to you is maybe get a couple of bottles of Buds and Beads and pop that on your Christmas table this year and share in that joy, share in that sparkly goodness. Um, Listeners of the podcast get a 20% discount. You just need to pop in last drinks 20 at your checkout when you go to budsandbeads.com.au. On to our guest this week. Now, this is a really interesting slash slightly controversial conversation, but I'm so glad that I'm having it. Chris Rain, you may know him as the guy that started the Hello Sunday Morning platform. It started, and you you can Google his story, but in a nutshell, Chris Rain decided he was at uni, he was 22, and he woke up on a Sunday morning and decided, I'm going to have a year off booze because it's not working for me. I just want to figure out my relationship with alcohol. And he started a journal, and that journal became the Hello Sunday Morning platform, which is responsible for hundreds of thousands of people's sobriety and ongoing um, reframe of their relationship with alcohol, right? So Chris started uh, Hello Sunday Morning at 22, 23. He was a CEO of a company and he since has left the company in very capable hands and moved on to do other things. He's currently studying in the US at Harvard University. What exactly he's studying, we will find out in the conversation because I didn't even know. But um, he's a super interesting guy. But here's the thing Crystal drinks and I know this podcast is all about talking to people about their sobriety, but I'm going to talk to Chris about why he's not sober. He's not completely sober. And I just want to know what his relationship with alcohol is like. And the reason that I think that this is important is because just because Chris Rain doesn't have a sobriety story right now in his life, it doesn't sort of undo all of the great work that he did in setting up Hello Sunday Morning. And it doesn't mean that all of those revelations that he had aren't still true for possibly him and so many other people. So I just wanted to do a bit of a disclaimer. This is not a story about somebody's sobriety that they are unpacking and discovering and so excited about that they want to tell everyone about. This is me having a really really honest conversation. This is the first time Chris has actually spoken about this in the public sector. And so I feel very grateful that he is, you know, just so willing to be really vulnerable. I think a lot of people want Chris to be sober because he's the hello Sunday morning guy. And it doesn't make sense that he's not, 
But I think it's also really important to just journey with people wherever they are at on this path for themselves. And I know that he is going to do some really great work in other areas. And I think that sobriety really does underpin a lot of what he does. But I just wanted to put it out there that Chris's last drink was literally two days before we had this conversation. So um, it maybe if this one, you know, if if you don't need a reason to pick up a drink, <laughs> if you need a sobriety inspirational story, um, go listen to the back catalogue because this one won't give you that. But I felt like it was a really important conversation to have. And I also wanted Chris to feel not judged. I wanted Chris to feel really welcomed in his vulnerability on going, you know what, I don't have it all figured out. I'm not sure where I'm up to with alcohol, but I'm trying to work it out because I'm trying to become the best version of myself. And so um, I felt like this was a really different conversation for this podcast and for the audience, but a really, really important one. So please enjoy Last Drinks with Chris Rain. I would love to know about your last drink and how recent that was. Yeah, well, actually, it was um, Saturday night. So it's um, I'm in Boston in the moment, um, and it's Sunday. Actually, no, Friday, Friday night in Nashville. I was just there in Nashville uh, for the weekend, um, and I was there with a like a couple of buddies from here and a buddy from there, and went to see a um, a country music singer. And so had a few drinks there and then um, came back here last night, had a good night's sleep. And then Sunday I've been doing all my assignments. So um, it's been a good weekend. And so you still drink? Yeah. I mean, my, uh, to really explain my relationship with alcohol, you probably have to go back right to, um, you know, the start of Hello Sunday morning. Um and before that, like I've always um, had alcohol in my life. When I started Hello Sunday Morning, I wanted to understand my own relationship with alcohol and understand the culture um, of drinking. And it started as a research project. Of um, so I was working in an advertising agency, and um, we were coming up with these campaigns, but none of it really resonated. It was around youth binge drinking and. This is like in 2008 um, when this was something the sort of government wanted to address. And so I wanted to understand my own relationship with alcohol and did an experiment where I took a year off drinking and wrote a weekly blog about the experience of being sober as a 22-year-old. And mm. that's how it all evolved, um, you know, from there. Um, and I think that, like, in, you know, since then I took, I've taken like a year off drinking, three months off drinking, um, kind of go, I kind of go on and off and on and off. And like, I wish I could say that there's like a clear answer, like being completely sober is right for me or being, you know, drinking is right. But I think my answer is just like keeping on experimenting with different things. Um, and then along the way, um, you know, I've also been, on and off antidepressants and different uh, and also experimented with different psychedelics and I think the thing that really fascinates me is the intersection of our brains and the molecules we consume to 
find, I think, ultimately some sense of peace um, and um, and that sort of continuously evolving um, process and and um, and project. So it's a funny. Uh, most people would think that I don't drink at all, given the work that I've done and and do. Um, and it's and it can be a bit confronting, I think, for some people. And I'm sure some of your listeners to like hear this story. Like this is you know who I am and what's true for me. That's not necessarily mm-hmm. true for all people. Um, but it's a paradox that I'm still fascinated by and, and always willing to engage with. And I guess it's my life's work, so I'm really, really interested in it. So it's nice to be open and frank and honest and um, have a conversation about it. I love that. And do you know what I find really interesting, Chris, is that through the platform that Hello Sunday Morning has evolved into, which is, you know, it's a it's a really big thing that's helped tens of thousands of people, if not hundreds of thousands of people. And that's something that you started. And whether you had the foresight of it becoming what it became, it's become what it's become. And in essence, really, you have helped so many people get completely sober, yet you're not. And that's not a fail. Like that's not a fail. But do you know what I'm saying? Like I find it so fascinating. This is why I think your story is interesting is you you started this thing, it evolved into this Hello Sunday morning platform, there's Daybreak, there's an app. It's a place that a lot of people go to take some time off having booze to figure out their relationship with alcohol. Yet here we are a couple of decades later almost and you're still trying to figure out your relationship with alcohol. I find that quite not strange. It's just really, really interesting. Yeah, totally. And I mean, like, it's funny because um, you know, so like, I started that when I was twenty-two, and then I'm thirty-six now, and mm-hmm. um, and and through some of my like therapy, my my therapist once said to me, I was t- explaining the work that I was doing. He's like, "Oh, you weren't happy with how your father." parented you so you went out and tried to parent the world and I think a part of it (laughs) a part of it when I know it's it's, it's, there's truth to it as well you know like I think but it doesn't negate the value that the thing that you build provides Mm -hmm. I think it's just you know understanding where that it's just like people who go out and you know want to be president or prime minister there's some deep yearning to be validated or like, and that, you know, if you listen to like the um, Bruce Springsteen and um, Barack Obama's podcast, they both talk about this part of like wanting their father's approval. And I think that that's, mm. that's imbued in any kind of creative act, I think. And so it doesn't mean it doesn't have any value, but as an, as an individual creator, I think it's sort of, it's interesting to think about. Um, so well, that's, yeah. that's the point, right? Like I think there would be a lot of people are not okay with the fact that you drink alcohol. Like they don't want because because I guess your name has the attachment to that creation of that platform that is so mm. helpful and it doesn't negate its value at all. But mm. people want to put you in a box on a shelf. They want Chris Rain, the guy who came up with the idea of Hello Sunday Morning, <laughs> to be completely sober because that helps them be completely sober. The more people that are standing, and that's where I sit, like I'm 100% Mm. 
never drinking again. I'm good. I'm done. It's it, That's where I land. And I'm really mm. comfortable and happy advocating in that space mm. because it's it, for me, zero drinks is easier than one. Yeah. So it's, for me to have a yeah. drink, it is complete mindfuckery. It really is. Like to have to negotiate what that drink is going to be, when I'm going to have it, who I'm going to have it with, is it only ever going to be one? Is it one a week? Is it one a weekend? Is it one night on the weekend? Not Like all of those hoops that I have to jump through and all of that bargaining that I have to waste my energy and my mental capacity and my cognition doing is actually not worth the effort. So zero mm. is easy because it's just none and that works for me. But you sit in this space that's completely different that I'm interested in understanding that you've said, you know, you've had a year off, three months off, and, and you've gone through other phases and experimented with other stuff and it's all about like how your brain works and, and what it mm. does to you. So what I guess what is your relationship with alcohol at the moment? <laughs> yeah, well, um, so I'm 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 over in the US um, studying this year, and what I mean it's sort of like it's a bit of a mess to be honest. Like my relationship with alcohol right now, like it I wouldn't say it's very um, clear cut or defined, um, but I'll be completely um, as honest as I can about it. So because you know what I'm learning about myself too through this process. Um, at the end of last, like through the summer, so I'm in my second semester of this course. At the end of the first um, course, I was drinking quite a lot, you know, most weekends, actually every weekend with um, the cohort. And it's like in a new social environment. And um, and then I was like, okay, when I come back to the next semester, um, I'm not going to drink. And I sort of go in this, like, okay, tell people I'm not drinking and then then um I came back and I was doing that and then talking with my therapist about it um a different therapist was she was like you're kind of like making other people responsible for your choices like is it what you really want or are you just doing it to like give other people the responsibility of your own choices and I was like wow, wow that's interesting um and a part of this and this is also going to be an uncomfortable thing for people that know me to think about is like i've probably always never part of like my whole working life is i've always hated my hungover self or the person that's a bit messy or um out of control and i've like despised that and um and i've been like really intensely um like on the surface level, everyone likes me and, you know, I'm like this person. But then in the messy bits, I don't want anyone to see. And I've like part of my whole work has been trying to avoid um, putting as much distance as I can between me and my hungover self. So right now what I'm working with is like learning to love my hungover self. And I think um, and the messy bit um, and part of that also, as I said, I don't. I think I was. If this was recorded by, I hurt, hurt myself, and in January I hurt my back, and 
I haven't been able to train or like do any of the things that I used to just run away from my feelings with. Like I'd get out there and you know, and I'm just like sweat it out kind of thing. And now I'm just kind of sit and I'm like, it's on one hand it's been very difficult, but on the other it's been like this really great experience of coming to yeah love all all the pieces of me, um, and take I think probably. I feel like more responsibility for myself and my own choices and not feel like I have to do it, do it for someone else or I have to be a certain kind of person. So like, as I said, it's a bit of a mess, but like a almost therapeutic mess that I'm going through in a very unconventional way um, to come to um, appreciate all facets of myself, not just the achieving bits um, or the bits that, and typically, um, yeah, I think that the times that I've committed to being sober for periods of time is, um, on one hand, it's like really good because I feel healthy and mentally good. But on the other, I think a part of it has been like avoiding um, like a really negated part of, of who I am. Um, so I'm just trying to understand that and that's probably where I'm at now. That's a lot. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but, but it's a lot. You're a lot, Chris Rain, but you're a good lot and it takes a very um, honest person to just put it out there and go, hey, like, work in progress as we all are right like i am certainly not sitting here holding a microphone telling everyone that i've got it all together because oh dear lord i'm so far from that um but one thing i figure one thing i feel like i have worked out is where i sit with alcohol and i Mm. can really um with yeah with a lot of conviction say i'm done right and I, I think from talking, from having this conversation with you, I realise how special that is because it's a really challenging point to get to for anybody. So whether mm. you're done with alcohol or whether you are going to have a healthier relationship with alcohol and do the moderation thing and work out what that looks like for you and means for you, landing on that is really tricky. And you've just, you know, I guess shown me that, that it, it is a really hard place to get to whichever part of that massive grey area that alcohol really encompasses in our daily and weekly lives. And but good on you for being honest about it and for still trying to figure it out. Like you didn't, you know, you didn't start Hello Sunday morning and then decide, oh, okay, I still want to drink, but then throw the towel in and go, well, screw it, I'll I'll just go down that road and be, unwise and negligent like you're doing the due diligence it and and that sounds weird to say but like coming to a place where you're okay with your hungover self is great arriving at awareness of self is great and if you're doing it you know with the the company of a therapist I think that that's a, a really good idea and yeah not conventional and not not something that's on my list of things to do like and I have left her nine years in the past and I'm really happy about that um but I've also had to through my own therapy 
sit with her and forgive her and be okay with all of those choices and mm. understand why I lent on a substance to numb my pain and to um, try and reconcile self-worth and gain friends and favour and popular, all of the, like I've done the work too, right, and it just sounds like mm. you're so in the thick of it right now. Yeah, totally. And I think that um, it's so interesting too because um, whilst it feels maybe on a surface level a bit more messier than it has ever been, I feel like on a deep level I'm more happier than I've ever been or more content or more friendly maybe with all parts of myself. And um, and I yeah, and I, and it kind of is a nice feeling or, or path to be on, because probably you know from since I was early, in my early twenties, I I don't couldn't definitely like wouldn't say that I really um, loved, if not even really liked myself, and a lot of what I did even though it had really good outcomes and, you know, Hello Sunday Morning and then all the other stuff that I've done. Um, uh, a big part of that, I think, was like trying to externalise into the world something that, you know, I could be loved for. Um, and, um, you know, whilst still I think that that is still going on in my life, like, you know, I'm, I'm here at, studying at Harvard University and I've got like a, you know, this external thing that's going on, the internal work that I'm doing with my therapist and with myself, I think is like I really actually am coming to be better friends with myself, immaterial of what I do or what happens or whether I'm drinking or not drinking or whatever. I, and I think that's really, um, it's been, yeah, really, really great work to to do. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny talking about it on, on a podcast. <laughs> so I haven't done like an interview with anyone for a long time, like since I left Australia for a bit. Like, so it's nice to reflect on it in an honest way. I think it's great to reflect on it. I also think it's it's almost funny that you're at Harvard. Like you, you're at the best university in the world. Like you know, you don't you don't do things by halves. You know, like you you've gone overseas to study and you get into like the school and. It, if that is telling of, I think, the mission that you're on in general, right? Like, is it, are you an overachiever by nature? Is that something you've you've sort of unpacked with your therapist on? You know, some people stop drinking, Chris, and they write a blog and, or no, they, they write in their journal and it never sees the light of day. Yeah, and then yeah. they put that in a cupboard and then... They move house and forget that that was there and then that gets burnt to the ground and that's that. And I feel like you do things on this really kind of epic scale and I guess I'm trying to work out is that something that chases you or is that something that you chase? I think it's, it's both of them um, and I'm coming to like even being here and thinking about um, what, do, what do I do next or the work that I'm doing like what I think the thing that there's a common thread even with Hello Sunday Morning and all of it is I, I am really 
really the thing that I'm curious about is how the choices that we make around the molecules that we use that change our reality. Um, and I like psychoactive molecules that might be alcohol or it might be antidepressants or stimulants or, um, you know, psychedelics or like, how do we make these choices? How, how does the society structure the choices that we make around it? What do the cultures look like? And I'm really interested in, um, in that and not just from my, from my own life, um, you know, which is like the life that I'm living, like in the choices that I make, but also, um, systematically, like what are the, what are the rules and regulations and, um, ways that people move between them and ways of understanding our own choices. So I feel like it's there's a common thread with everything that I've done that um, is really um, kind of quenching a fascination with with that. Um, and this and you know studying these kind of institutions is a way of really thinking deeply about it and having my own thoughts challenged. Um, and but to answer your question, yeah, absolutely. There's like a like feeling of like, do you love me now, Daddy? <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, oh. It's just so, oh man, it's so real. The but, daddy issues thing is so huge. That's well, not even my dad anymore. You know, like we're mates and stuff. That's more like the ghost of him or like the idea of him or like, uh, and there's mm. like this, self-perpetuating element of of that that comes that comes through um so yeah i think it's it's both and then also it's also a great adventure you know like kind of privileged Mm -hmm. to do this stuff um and take the opportunities and put myself forward for them and like so it's that at the same time and and all these things sometimes contradict each other and sometimes they're just like one big mess that push you into forward into life, and you gotta just be grateful for it, for which I am, um, mm. and try not to overthink it too much. It sounds like your entire job is to overthink things, <laughs> like what you're studying, which I don't know a hundred percent understand. Can you tell me, like, what are you actually studying, and where is it gonna lead? Sorry, just it just cut out there for me. Would you mind saying that question again? Yeah, so it it sounds to me like your um your whole world is overthinking things. And <laughs> so <laughs> what exactly? Because I don't quite understand what you're doing. <laughs> like I get that you're. It's not a gap year, or you, you're not at summer camp. You're studying at Harvard. Um. From my understanding of Harvard and all of the TV shows like Suits that I have watched, you have to be really smart to get in there. Um, what are you studying and where? what is this setting you up for next? Yeah, so it's a, um, it's a mid-career master's in public administration. Um, so it's sort of a mix of policy and organizations and um it's kind of like a bit like an mba but more focused on like managing large organizations or going into government or things like that and so my real interest is in yeah drug policy like so psychoactive drug policy how does 
how do governments and how do people make choices around the drugs that we use? Um, and so I think like right now I have a company that's based in Australia, co-founder of a company that does uh, GP-led home detoxes for people. So for people that are drinking a, a lot and need to do a medicated detox so they don't have seizures, mm-hmm. normally have to go to hospitals and this service does that through telehealth. So it's really useful for people in regional and remote areas. Um, and you know that need to to do that so that's happening um and then but it's still still there um and we have an awesome ceo pr and awesome chief medical officer um dr chris davis and so the three of us are sort of slowly building that but i think the next thing will be yeah seeing that expand but then probably something in technology and data and um, drug use somewhere. Um, but I'm not sure what that looks like yet and kind of um, work it out. But I really like building companies and teams and um, and and growing something out of nothing like it that that feels like my kind of art, artistic expression in the world that I really love to do, um, whether it's financially successful or not. Like I just, I really enjoy that. Um, so um something to do with that and at the same time um you know just try and live as peaceful uh, and happy a lot as a life as i possibly can we'll get back to the conversation in just a sec this podcast is proudly brought to you by buds and beads sparkling tea the perfect blend of refreshment and sophistication elevate your moments with our Elevate your moments with exquisite tea infused with natural botanicals. Sip, sparkle, and savour the flavour for true indulgence. Buds and Beads Sparkling Tea, where every bubble tells a story. Cheers to a sip above the rest. And now, back to the conversation. I love Michael Pollan. I feel like he's... His name is kind of synonymous with, um, what are they called? Like not shrooms, but like psychedelics. Psychedelics. Yeah. Is me like to- totally misinformed, probably. But prior to his book, I know he's done a book on psychedelics. I just loved his whole philosophy on food, and he's he's sort of he's in a lot of uh, documentaries that um, interview lots of functional medicine experts. And he's also talks about sustainability. I think I watched like a Netflix thing called Cooked, um, not as in like off your face on drugs cooked. I mean yeah. like food cooked. And yeah. Um, yeah, so he anyway, he's popped up a lot and I've done a little bit of, anyway, I just love him. And I feel like based on what you've told me about where you're heading and what you're sort of interested in that you would be cycling around Michael Pollan. Yeah, I mean he. It- he came to gave a talk and I met him two weeks ago, I think it was. Um, cool. Here, and he's just, he's part of the program here. There's a big uh, endowment made into research into the future of psychedelic assisted therapy and psychedelic culture and whatnot. It's this real renaissance that's happening, I think, around the world. The thing that Michael Pollan, I think, does so well is he's so educated on the subject so thoroughly researched that his arguments are really quite profound and an example of that is in this lecture it was he was talking and he was just riffing and 
and it was only until three quarters of the way through the lecture that you know references made to these substances being illegal you know everyone's like oh yeah wow. this is just how it is they're like and it, it's sort of what that really shows me is how much of a paradigm shift is happening in a post-prohibitionist world um that you know michael mm. um michael pollan is like a great explainer of that shift um yeah another one is uh dr rick rick doblin who came to the kennedy school um last week um he's the founder of maps the multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies who have done all the um studies into ptsd uh, mdma mdma assisted P- therapy for ptsd in the u.s which is now um about to be available in in australia actually legislation changed so that therapists last year it changed so that this year therapists are able to uh somehow prescribe mdma therapy to their patients so it's this very new um precipice um and i think you know in relation to your work and this thought here for much of our culture and i think it's a real shame that it's been this way that alcohol and nicotine have been the only real forms of recreational escape yeah and on the other side you have only access to you know things like antidepressants or antipsychotics or um, anxiolytics and there's this real middle piece that i think psychedelic uh use really can provide within our culture uh to help people find greater peace um and so I think we're entering that that area and uh, it's really exciting. It is, you know, it's a real brain bender for me. It doesn't take much to bend my brain, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> but like, and this is just me, right? But in my, I guess the way the programming and, and the stuff that I grew up believing and being taught, um, as a strong belief is that drugs are bad. And so... Drugs are bad, drugs are bad, don't do drugs, right? Mm. And because it, there, no one ever explained that, well, when you think about it, if you're getting prescription medication, still a drug. It's just yeah, being prescribed totally. by somebody who's going to give you a dose that's going to be managed so that it doesn't mm. become hopefully problematic. So mm. this conversation is really new for me because, again, like you just go psychedelics, I'm like, drugs are bad. And, and when you think about the history of, you know, like that typical uni bong smoker that's just vegging out on a beanbag in his frat house or his share house like there's that perception of marijuana whereas we know now there's like medicinal marijuana can be prescribed in america it's completely legal now Mm. um and i don't keep up on the legislation either you know like i'm just a regular consumer like if it's not on news.com.au i don't really know about it um so i'm probably a little bit far behind in you know keeping up to date with everything and then, you know, that other side of like really, truly alcohol is a drug and it just wasn't sold to me like that. It was, to- it was just not ever put in that category and alcohol is responsible for more death than all of the other prescription drugs combined. That's a statistic. That's a fact from the World Health Organization. That's terrifying because you can walk into a bottle shop and buy as much alcohol as you want. Um, Mm. yet you can't necessarily get easy access to something like a psychedelic, which with, I think, the proper use and 
um, the proper guidance from a medical professional could help you, as you just touched on, lead to peace. And that's what this conversation is about. We're not talking about getting our rocks off and getting footloose and fancy free. Like it's so evident to me, Chris, from this conversation that your search is for peace. Um, and, and you've done it since you started the blog, you know, all those years ago, that was your searching out that inner peace and you're still on that mission and that journey. And so it's a really, look, this conversation will piss some people off, <laughs> I think, cause they, they might not be ready to hear it. Yeah. Um, but good. Right. And, and also like, I, even though I guess I'm not like pro psychedelic, so to speak, I, I think in this day and age with where I'm at in life and having all of the conversations that, that I have to help people manage their relationship with alcohol, my vow is to stay open-minded and to mm. not just shut things down because they feel scary for me and to talk to people who are on that quest and experts in their field and you very much feel like you are dedicating your days to figuring this out and making this potentially work for people in society so that one day the drinking stuff won't even be hopefully that cultural norm anymore that maybe will be opened up to other things that are less damaging, less dangerous with less knock on negative impacts and less problems down the track. Maybe, I don't know, fingers crossed, right? I think, I think it's important. Like, yeah, I mean, my sense of purpose in this life is, I don't think it's I don't I don't think anyone would say that being in a state of dependence or addiction on any form of substance ultimately is something they want nor a society wants. I think major the majority of that dependence comes from alcohol because it's the one and nicotine because they're the one drugs that are available to us and 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 really not regulated as you say that tightly and people mm. aren't very much help for it. But for a lot of for a lot of psychedelics that they're way more they're way less likely to be habit forming and addiction forming but also on the to pick up your point around um the use of drugs on our, on our clean slate program uh for people that you know drinking heavily and then they quit drinking they go from drinking to onto valium and then off valium so wow it's almost dangerous it's that a dangerous hectic. thing. Well, it's actually the safest, most effective way for a person to detox because wow. 10% of people that are drinking heavily that don't go into Valium uh, have seizures or heavy complications. So sure, that's why most of it's done in hospitals and why our model was built the way it is to do it in, in homes. But yeah. we, are, we are a drug-using species and a drug-using society. Mm. Um, the notion of absolute sobriety for all time is a it's a kind of a, like you know a cure for cancer like it's a it's yes. an, an idea to go towards but there's always going to be cancer cancer is part of it i understand cellular, what but, you're saying yeah um, and you know i've had like people have said to me if I, one person in particular who i worked with for a little while um was sober but um would do recreational drugs and and that that I found interesting. I'm like, oh, do you like play the sobriety card when it comes to alcohol? But like, you know, happy to go to a party on shrooms or whatever. Yeah. And and he said to me, he's like, so what's you know, like everyone needs advice, Maz. Like, 
just because you don't drink alcohol, like what's your vice? And I'm like, maybe I'm the unicorn. Like maybe I'm the one person that has actually found a way to exist in this world and I don't think I have a vice. I actually don't. And maybe my vice is, I don't know, always trying to find ways to improve myself. Maybe that's my addiction or whatever you want to label it. But I did even that um, belief that we have as a culture is like, well, everyone has to have a thing that's bringing them down or that gives them an escape or that um, helps them somehow. And I, and, and I, I don't hand on heart. I don't intend to get advice. Um, but I go through phases. Like I have a cold shower in the morning and I'm fully into ice baths at the moment. And that might last a year or two or a month yeah. or whatever. And then it might be on to the, you know, the next thing. So even just that concept of like having a vice and uh, I don't but know. I, I don't think know. The, I think the vice thing is it's sort of, um, it's a legacy of our prohibitionist approach to drugs because, you know, they, they do carry their own virtues and including alcohol as well. You know, like mm. without your experiences with alcohol, you wouldn't have had the experience of choosing to be sober from it. That's and have this true. perspective that you have. Like it's mm. it's part of your history. Yeah. Um that has, you know, made you up. So it's not completely devoid of value. Um and I think I think drug the way we use drugs should be seen in exactly that same way of like, you know, in the way we see ice baths and um religion <laughs> and different things that yeah. you know, bring us different perspectives in the world or yeah. travel, you know, like there's inherent risks in travel and adventure sports and things like that. Mm. driving and like everything carries its um you know its risk and utility and and drugs are no different Mm. um so i think it's you know but it's the important thing is to experiment and and experimenting with sobriety is also a great experiment to have as well particularly if you haven't been drinking your whole life for a long time and yeah you know big big advocate for it um but yeah i think probably the where the world's going is cultures that are less homogenous and you know this is how you have to be and this is kind of what we've inherited um and more people finding their own identity and their own um sort of sense of psychology and um i think that's really exciting and i think it's happening not just in the psychopharmaceutical space but also in like identity and sexuality and um all these Mm. different realms are now more spectrum seen as spectra rather than a binary good or bad thing or a good or evil thing. Um, mm. And I really I like that future. I like it too, mate. I like a future where we can catch up again as well. Can we do that? <laughs> Sounds good. Chris, thanks. I, I've, I've just I really have loved this chat. And thanks for just being so super open with where you're up to with everything, you know, and you're on the journey and I completely respect that. And so, yeah, maybe we should check back in in a few months and see where things are landing. Sounds great. Thanks for listening. Make sure you click follow so you don't miss an episode. New episodes are published every Monday. You can follow us on TikTok at Last Drinks or catch up with me on Instagram at Maz Compton. Stay curious. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.